0: We're going to be in First uh, Kings 18 today, if you want to grab a Bible and turn there, just so you're all aware. A couple things, I know um, Ryan mentioned earlier, and I love how he said, you know, no, there's nothing going on this week, so you can do all the fall things, right? Enjoy that. But it is fall break, so next week, this is our only service, 1030, one service. Uh, so everybody will be together, kind of a family Sunday. We are looking forward to that, just want to let you know. You know, life is all about choices. This morning, you chose to wake up. Maybe when your alarm clock went off the first time, or maybe you chose to hit the snooze button a couple times. Uh, Some of us chose to brush our teeth this morning. Others did not. You know, in our household, it's a fight with the kids. Hey, did you brush your teeth? Oh, I forgot. Right? Uh, Remembering to do that. Some of us uh, choose to let our gas tank get really low before we fill it up. Any of you like this, right? There's the two choices. You fill it up at at halfway and you fill it up when it's below empty. How many of you are halfway people? Like, if I get there, I've got to get gas. It's like this entire road that's related to each other. That's ridiculous, right? And and then there's me who's like, I know my car and I will drive it as far as I possibly can, right? Uh, I had a buddy years ago that carried a gas tank in his trunk because he knew himself. Uh, That's what he would do. Let me ask you this. Do any of you have a hard time making decisions in life? Like maybe it's like, do I fill up now? Do I fill up later? Maybe it's like, uh, should I buy this or, you know, should I actually make sure my kids are awake? How many of you have a hard time making decisions in life? Raise your hand. Hard time making decisions in life. Okay, I'm going to make some easy ones for you. We're going to put a few things on the screen. Uh, There's a right and a left side to each picture. There's one picture I will tell you not to raise your hand. Uh, just, it could be controversial. Uh, but uh, uh, there. I just want you to raise, if, if it's on the right side of the screen, raise your hand for that choice. Left side of the screen, raise your hand for that choice, okay? Starting off, Pepsi versus Coke. How many of you are Coke people? This side, Pepsi people. Look at you. Oh, I like you all. You're all mainly Coke people. You're good to me here. How about this? Uh, Apple or Android? Um, Right? All you Apple people, you're in the right, and Android, you're in the wrong. Just so you know. Um, how about this one? O U and O S U. So, now you know I have no dog in this fight. Um, so. I don't really care. Uh, Chris Paget was yelling, go pokes earlier. Um, he was shocked nobody did anything else. Don't you raise your hand on the next one. Uh, donkeys and elephants here, right? Uh, yeah, don't see. All right. You could hear it in the room like, uh, right? That's how it is right now. Uh, how about this? Uh, Chick-fil-A or Popeyes? Thank you all. You are the Lord's people and like the Lord's chicken. All right. All uh, right. How about this one, dogs or cats? And wait, wait, hold up. Let me give you a better option right here. Uh, Come on. Nope, doesn't want to come up. There we go. Only dogs, right? That's the only option here on this one. (laughs) How about this, Uh, Chevy or Ford? Uh, Right, kind of, there we go. Okay, kind of half and half there for those of you that want to raise your hand. Chiefs, Broncos, there's only one right answer. It comes in red. It's the world champs. That's the only answer. I know, I deal with this every day in the office. He doesn't realize his team has no shot at anything this year. But one, There we go. All right, sometimes it can be difficult to make choices. Robert Frost, uh, in my favorite poem ever, wrote about this in The Road Less Taken, The Road Not Taken. He says this, two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And I, sorry that I could not travel both and be one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then I took the other as just as fair and perhaps having the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves, no step had trodden black, Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Life is all about choices, all about the decisions we make to choose one thing over another where that will direct our paths, the choice to pick the right path or the wrong path, the choice to follow God or not to, the choice to go to bed early on Saturday night so that wake up on Sunday morning refreshed and ready to worship, the choice to give to God or not to. The text today that we are in is really a choice, a decision that the nation of Israel is faced with, a question that Elijah asked them as they're all gathered around Mount Carmel. It's found in 1 Kings eighteen twenty one. How long will you go on limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. It could also be said like this. How long will you go sitting on the fence, not choosing one side or the other? If the Lord is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. The question for us today is how long will we keep on limping? The people of Israel at this time are two nations. God's people, his chosen people, have separated themselves into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom led by evil kings over and over and over Again, Ahab being one of them, we read about him a couple weeks ago. We see him throughout this story of Elijah intertwined. Elijah goes to him and says, hey, there's going to be a drought. We don't know how long, but there's going to be a drought, and this is the deal. And then Elijah runs. God hides him. He hides him by a brook, and then he hides him in Zarephath with a widow. And three years later, God comes to Elijah. God speaks to Elijah and says, look, I've taken care of you. You've had enough bread. You've had enough water. Now it's time to go back to Israel. It's time to rejoin this narrative, this story of what's going on, because I'm going to end the drought. Man, that's good news to anybody. Three years of no water, of no rain, a drought, everything drying up, and yet he's going to go back. So God sends Elijah back to Israel. At the same time, Ahab, the evil king, and a man named Obadiah, who's really a good man. He works for Ahab, but He's a good man who's hidden the prophets of God in a cave, a group of a hundred of them split into two fifties, and he's fed them bread and water. It's so fascinating how much bread and water comes up in this narrative of Elijah. He's fed them bread and water, taking care of them. Ahab looks at Obadiah, his kind of servant, and he says, look, here's the deal. There is no good grass for the livestock. They're all gonna die. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna travel this way in the kingdom. You're gonna travel that way in the kingdom. And the first of us that finds grass for the livestock... Come back and report to the other so that we can feed our livestock, our herds, because they're gonna die otherwise. And so he goes and he does that. We don't know what Ahab found, but we know that Obadiah found Elijah. He's like, Elijah, what are you doing here? The king's been looking everywhere for you. He's 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 been looking everywhere he goes. He sends people haven't seen you. What's gonna happen? And Elijah says, go find Obadiah, tell him I'm here. He won't believe me. Are you actually going to be here? You're going to disappear. Elijah says, I will be here. So Obadiah goes to find Ahab. Ahab comes to find Elijah. We find their encounter in 1817. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? I'm gonna greet you all like that someday. Mark's gonna walk in the office in that Broncos hat. Is it you, you troubler? Right? <laughs> That's what's gonna happen here. Is that you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered Elijah answers, I've not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. This is like the presidential election. I imagine two old men yelling at each other, right? Is it you, you troubler of Israel? I'm not the troubler. It's you, not me, right? It's the worst breakup line ever. It's you, not me. And he's saying, like, it's not me, but it's because you and your father and his father and everybody down the line has said, I don't want to follow what God has to say. We're going to ignore God's commandments. And because you have ignored God's commandments, then guess what? You've abandoned him, and now this drought has come. What happens when you ignore God's commandments in your own life? When you abandon what he's asked of you to follow him, to seek him? What happens when you abandon his commandments? I mean, this is the question Elijah poses to Ahab. He doesn't really question. He just says, this is the deal, man. You have ignored God's commandments, and so now this is what drought has happened. And by the way... You're supposed to be leading Israel, God's people toward God, but your wife is feeding all the false prophets in the nation. All 850 of them. The 450 of Baal, the 400 of Asherah, she's feeding them at her table. People don't have food and water and bread, and yet you are feeding the false prophets. So here's what's going to happen, Ahab. You and I, we're going to head down to Mount Carmel with all the people. We're going to have a royal rumble. We're going to show you who God is. And so they head down to Mount Carmel, 850 to 1, verse 20. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Now, in case you're wondering how many all means, it's the old preacher thing, right? All means all. When it says all the people of Israel, the entire nation showed up at Mount Carmel, that's a lot of people. It doesn't give us a number. It just says all. All the people gathered there, and Elijah came near to the people, and he said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. There's no, like, funny joke, nothing to get people involved. He's just, like, everybody's standing there. Okay, let me ask you a question, people. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. What's your choice? What decision will you make? And all the people remained silent. That has got to be one of the most devastating verses in Scripture. The people of God posed with the choice of to choose who God is. Don't. They all stand there limping between two opinions. We limp between two opinions all the time. Do I go out and buy a new TV, a new car, birthday presents? Or do I give to God like he's asked me to because... He's given me everything instead. Do I stay up late Saturday night and miss my alarm Sunday morning? Do I not engage my neighbor in conversation when I know that they're hurting? Do I scroll through Facebook, play Among Us, take another selfie on Snapchat, or open the Bible app that the streak says one because I opened it today? What do I do? Do I choose to follow God or not? Do I put up a sign for my favorite political candidate so everybody knows where I stand and yet my Bible's gathering dust because I don't know where I stand? You know, we all put on a shirt, cheer for our team, and rejoice when anybody beats Texas, right? Common ground. But many people who claim the name of Christ choose to be silent when faced with decision. Silence is what meets Elijah that day. Conviction is what meets the people. We have five kids. You know this. I can think of very few times when we have asked our kids about something that is convicting. And they've actually said, oh, I'm sorry, or I was wrong. Most of the time when we ask our kids, okay, why did you get home late. Why did you choose to play a game when we told you you couldn't? Why didn't you make your bed? Why didn't you pick up the clothes off of your floor? What do we get? Silence. It's the same response I give when I might be digging around in the cabinet for food or finding ice cream in the freezer late at night, and Robin looks at my stomach. Silence. (laughs) This is what meets Elijah. All the people remained silent. They made an intentional choice not to say who they chose. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. So, here's what I propose. Let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And I'll prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, it is well spoken. Good options, Elijah. We like this. Do you know why we like this? Because we don't have to make a choice. We don't actually have to say it. We're just going to see which God shows up, and then we'll follow that God maybe. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bowl and prepare it first. It's interesting. He gives them the first choice. Choose for yourselves one bowl, prepare it first, for you are many. There's a lot of you. Call upon the name of your God, little g, but put no fire to it. And they took the bowl that was given them They got the best one, they prepared it, called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, no one answered, and they limped around the altar they had made. How long will you go on limping between two opinions? Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal is God, follow him, but all the people remained silent just like the god, Baal. Half a day, dancing around, looking for an answer. At noontime, Elijah mocked them, saying, cry aloud, for he's a god. Either he is musing, or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey. Perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. I love that Elijah teases them, mocks them a little bit. I think that's probably what I would do. Where's your God? Is he thinking? Did he become a statue? He's just thinking. Maybe he's in the bathroom. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe he's going to be a little while in there like a teenage boy on his phone. Maybe maybe he is uh, you know, going on a trip. Maybe he's just taking a nap. Maybe you should wake him up. So they start cutting themselves. They cried out aloud. They cut themselves after their custom. This must have been a scene with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, which, by the way, oblation means gift. You want to write that in there? Oblation means gift. I had to look it up this week. Midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. There was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. False gods will eventually let you down. Choosing the world's path will always let us down. Elijah has waited for hours. They've built their altar, stone upon stone. They've cut the bowl up. They've laid up the wood, all of this. And he just waits, all the while wondering what will happen, knowing that nothing will happen, anticipating the outcome. Then Elijah says to all the people, come near to me. Come near, come here. I want you to see this. I want you to listen. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. I'm guessing that the Baal, they wanted to please Baal. And so they're like, hey, let me throw this down. And he took the altar and he repaired it. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. Notice the play there, the word changed, the name changed, Jacob to Israel. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. He said, "Do it a third time." And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. Twelve stones. Why? To mark the kingdom of Israel, the sons of Jacob that are divided as a nation, but still one under God, still His people. Twelve stones to build an altar to God in the name of the Lord. The altar is a gift given to God a trench that is dug that will hold 14 quarts of seed all around it water poured over the altar filling up everything there wetting it down and filling the trench with water because it is poured out so much now you and I we know this wet wood doesn't burn water is hard to come by in a drought I mean, if I'm Elijah here, I'm dousing this thing with lighter fluid, gasoline, anything that's going to make it burn, not water. It doesn't make sense, except that Elijah, Elijah had already chosen his path. He knew who he followed, he knew what God could do. He knew that God was going to show up in a way that nobody else expected. Verse 36, and at the time of the offering of the oblation, the gift, Elijah the prophet came near and he said, O Lord, God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. I've made my choice, that I have done all of these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now this must have been a sight. Elijah's prayers to a God who has been faithful to his people from generation to generation. He invokes the name of the patriarchs, Abraham and Isaac and not Jacob, Israel, reminding the people of whom they follow, of where they stand Israel, the name that God gave to him. Elijah is the prophet of God. All others have been silent to their allegiance, except for the 450 prophets of Baal, and that's not really working out for them very well. But the people were silent. Elijah's like, I'm going to make my choice. Whether or not you follow the 451 or the 851, it doesn't matter, because one God is greater than everything else you can imagine. The math doesn't always work out, but in this case it does. And Elijah the prophet knows I am making my voice heard. I am proclaiming whom I follow, and he shows up fire from heaven, the offering consumed. The bull, the wood, the rocks that make up the altar, the dust that has now, been created because the rocks are gone, the water in the trench licked up, everything is gone. Now, this is fascinating, but it really shouldn't surprise us. And it shouldn't surprise the people of God who knew the commandments of God and his way. Deuteronomy 4 Moses is giving the commandments to the people. He's walking them through us. He's reminding them, hey, this is what you need to do to follow God. Deuteronomy 4.23. He's like, look, here's the deal. Don't have idols, all these kind of things, but I need you to see something. And Moses says this, he goes, look, take care to follow God unless you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you. Like, take care to follow God unless you forget the covenant that he made with you and make a carved image the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. Like, take care that you don't follow other gods, that you don't follow other idols. I mean, Israel here, in Elijah's case, has done exactly that. It's like, take care that that's not what you do. Here's why. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. It's amazing throughout Scripture how many times it talks about God as a consuming fire or a devouring fire. Here we just actually see it. Hebrews 12 in the New Testament tells us something very, very similar. He's talking about worship and the way we worship God, bringing right sacrifices before him. Hebrews 12, 28. He says, therefore, let us be grateful. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The bales were shaken." Thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe coming before Him to worship Him, to honor Him because that is what we get to do. Why? Our God is a consuming fire. He shows up when we need Him. And in this case, He shows up at a party that Elijah is throwing on his behalf and He shows out. Like, let me just burn all of it down. Let me show you how powerful I am. My people, let me remind you of who I am. Let me show you once again that I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel. And let me show you what I can do. I've always wished that God would have just burnt down both altars at once here. But I love that the altar to Baal is still standing there, untouched, never to be burned up. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. It's so fascinating to me when, you know, I'll watch football this afternoon. I'll probably jump up and cheer when the Chiefs score a touchdown or destroy the Raiders. The people here are watching something even greater. They're watching the miraculous unfold before them, they're watching the God of creation come down in fire and burn this all up. And what do they do? They could have cheered. They do proclaim who God is, but they do it on their knees. They bow down before him. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. This decision that they make in the moment, not because of what they've seen, but because of what they've seen. Because God has been faithful. Because they needed to be reminded of the faithfulness of God and who he is. They're no longer silent. They make a choice. They make a decision. Elijah tells them then to gather up all the prophets of Baal. And they do. And then they go down and they slaughter them. Which is really weird. But that's what happens. An extreme decision. But they do not limp. They do not stay silent. They make the choice. They cry out, the Lord, he is God. Fire from the Lord comes down that day and consumes everything everything in his path, and he shows them who he is. Christ came down to be the sacrifice on our behalf, to show us who he is, to show us his great love for us. That on a different kind of altar on the cross, he would die to take our place that we would never have to put anything on that altar again to make a sacrifice, but that we would be a living sacrifice, placing ourselves on the altar to follow him, to know him, to know that in the middle of a drought where it doesn't really make sense to dump a whole bunch of water on an altar, he is the living water that comes to us in a spiritual drought, giving us life and hope that he is the joy of our salvation, that Christ was alone, Elijah may have been the only one crying out, drawing people to himself to worship God. Jesus draws all men to himself. But for a moment, he was alone. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And alone, he still chose to be the sacrifice. He chose to be the one who came down and consumed sin to rise again after three days, to tell us, I will come back. But until that time, he says, follow me. Jesus wants us to choose to follow him. A daily decision, a daily choice to say, this is where I live. This is what I do. I choose to follow him. He doesn't say the decision will be easy. In fact, he says it will be pretty hard in Matthew 7. Robert Frost said, two roads diverged in a wood. I took the one less traveled by. It made all the difference to me. Jesus says there's two roads. Enter by the narrow gate. Because the gate is wide and the way is easy. It leads to destruction. Those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And Jesus says, if I'm God, choose to follow me. Take the narrow gate. Take the one that's harder. He doesn't say it's going to be easy. He never does. In fact, he says it's going to be hard. People will mock you. You may feel alone at times, but it's always worth it to follow me. The Lord, he is God. What does it look like to choose to follow Jesus? What does it look like to make that choice, to make that step? I mean, what what does it say? Jesus says my yoke is easy, my burden is light, but he also says you have to follow. So there is that choice. There's that choice to, for the first time, say, look, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to make him my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to follow him into baptism. I'm going to come to him. I'm going to be saved from my sins, and I am going to follow. Many of us are willing to make that choice. Many of us have made that choice. Some have not online and in this room. If you need to make that decision, then that's the first step. The Lord is God. The Lord, he is God. That's our proclamation today. But then there are other choices that we make every single day to choose to follow him. If we want to know the Lord well, then well, we know his word well. It's pretty simple. We've told people this in youth ministry for years. We tell everybody. Like, read the word of God, get to know him, get to know who he is and his love for you. Pray. Sometimes we don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit will help us in our prayers. That's what's promised in Romans 8. But also, Jesus gave us a prayer in Matthew 6, the Lord's prayer, that we can pray our Father. Art in heaven, holy is your name. If you need help in prayer, we've got several resources that we'd love to help you with. You can just type it in the chat box there online for us or or just write it on your card or send me an email, james at com. We've got plenty of resources to help you pray. And, and maybe those are things you do well and you're like, okay, what else can I choose? Maybe, Maybe it's, hey, I need to have a conversation with my neighbor. I need to get to know them so they can know Jesus too. Develop that relationship so I can have a chance to tell them about Jesus, what he's done, because I can't imagine life without him. And maybe, maybe it's, it's a little more than that. Maybe you need to spend some time in silence with God, just a minute a day, two minutes to go, I'm gonna just focus on God because he's good. Teach me your way, O oh Lord. Maybe you need to examine your heart, confess the sins that you've held on to. Maybe you need to turn off the notifications on your phone. I'm terrible about my phone. um, But maybe we need to turn off our notifications. Maybe we need to shut off Netflix before it asks us if we're still watching. Turn our heart toward God. Confess your sins to him. Seek him while he may be found. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Walk in his way. Love as he loved. Serve as he served, find ways to serve people in the name of Christ. Honor others as he did. Maybe you need to think twice before you post. Maybe you need to let go of the idol of self and gaining all the attention and place it on Christ first. What are some intentional things that you need to do? If I followed you around for a week, right? If the whole thing is we're, we're each faced with Choices that we make. If I followed you around for a week and I watched the choices that you made, then I would probably know what drives your life. What TV shows you watch, what friends you hang out with, what you order at Chick fil A, or it's God's chicken. How many Amazon boxes show up at your house throughout the week? Please don't come to my house. Do the choices that you make draw you closer to or pull you further away from Jesus? Do the choices that you make build others up or tear them down? Look, Jesus wants not only us, but he wants you to choose to follow him. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but the day after that. And when you wake up, he wants you to choose to follow him. When you go to bed at night, he wants you to choose to follow him. And every time in between. What is one choice that you could make, one intentional decision that you could make in your life that will help you follow Jesus this week? It may be that you need to pick up a habit. Maybe just, I'm gonna spend some time reading Psalms. It may be that you need to let go of a habit. What's one intentional choice that you can make this week? This week, I would encourage you to make a decision, make a choice to develop a habit that will help you follow Jesus. Maybe it's wake up 15 minutes earlier, spend some time in prayer. Maybe it's to develop some rhythms in your life that help you enjoy the satisfaction of the Lord more in your day. Jesus wants you to choose to follow him. This is the choice laid out before the Israelites at Mount Carmel. This is the choice that we are faced with every day, that everybody who would come to hear faith has to make. Do I follow or not? Do I say this is right or not? Joshua is facing these Israelites years earlier. It's the end of his ministry, the end of his time with them. He's saying, look, here's the deal. You get to choose for yourselves whom you will serve. You get to choose. I'm going to follow God or I'm not. But I need you to know this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let me tweak that a little bit. Make a statement that I hope is true of you. That I'm confident is true of us. Because it's for me and my house. We will choose to follow Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, may we be people who choose you daily. Who choose to follow you in our thoughts and on our phones. And reading your word and knowing you and the things that we wrap our lives around. God, may we choose to follow you first. May there be nothing more important than proclaiming with our lips and living with our lives that the Lord, he is God. Lord, you are God. Help us to make that decision today to follow you one moment, one breath, one step at a time. Holy Spirit, would you guide us and lead us? Would you teach us your way? Would you show us your path more and more? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. We have a decision time. We're going to ask you to stand in a moment and, and, and to do that, but we have a time, decision that we come to, and we say, look, if... if you've never accepted Jesus, we're going to give you that opportunity. Not just to limp toward that decision, but to run toward the altar. To run to what God has asked you to follow him. And maybe that decision for you is to quit limping between whether or not I talk to a friend about Christ, but I run toward him. Maybe that decision is to be more connected. Maybe it's just, I need to pray with people today. But I pray that if you've never accepted Jesus, that would be the first thing that you do. That you run to him. No more limping. you make that decision to follow, to proclaim the Lord he is God, and that we each do that. And that every day of our lives, every day we live this week, that we make intentional decisions to follow and to proclaim that the Lord, he is God. So we're going to give you that opportunity. If you just want to pray with somebody, I'm down here, Roger's in the back. There's others who would love to pray with you. But if you need to follow Christ online, let us know in this room. Why wait? Let's each choose today to follow God. Would you stand with me? Let's sing and make a proclamation about who he is. And if you have a decision to make, I'm going to be right down here. I'd love to talk.